you look at our firm and we're 80 percent or so you know female uh and we're uh, white and black and brown and asian and immigrants um and all of those people are in the gp or all those people are in leadership and we did that not for optics i don't care about optics those people know things and see things that i can't see you know, when, when we're talking to deals, there, there will be a founder who has an idea that is worth backing that it would never register with me, right? And I need somebody else on the team to say, you you mean well, but you're a, you're an old white dude. You know, that's not the market for this. And, uh, and so let me explain to you why, why this is valuable and why this is important. Welcome to another edition of Be The Change Georgia, where we amplify the voices of the inspiring business leaders surrounding the B Corp and social impact movements across the Southeast to help you learn how to build your legacy at the intersection of people, planet, purpose, and profit. Today, Nathan had the pleasure of sitting down with Mark Hubbard, general partner at Renew Venture Capital. Renew Venture Capital's mission is to solve society's biggest challenges by purposely renewing how we invest in and help build companies, all while leading with empathy. Mark has founded, invested in, or mentored thousands of enterprises from startups to global corporations in his almost 30 years in venture capital, global private equity, and institutional asset management. In this episode, you'll hear how Renew built an inclusive and diverse leadership team, what sets some founders apart from others, and the importance of investing in relationships. Let's jump right into this episode with Mark Hubbard. Over to you, Nathan. Hey, everybody, and welcome back for another episode of Be The Change Georgia. We're excited today to have Mark Hubbard with us from Renew Venture Capital. Mark, how are you this morning? I am wonderful. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me on. I am a big fan of yours, as you know, and a fan of what you're uh, what you're doing here, although you tend to go a little deep, which makes me nervous. So we'll oh. we'll see what happens. Well, luckily for you, we keep these episodes short and digestible, so we can't we can't go too deep. All right, well, let's get rolling then. Um, one of the questions I love to open with, and and we talked a little bit about this before, but what do you wish everyone understood about your profession and the purpose that fuels your personal why? Hmm. Uh, all right, about the profession. <clears throat> I mean, I mean, I guess look, venture capital is sort of seen as. Um, as a sexy industry and something that people want to ha- have to interface with or want to interface with or, um, <clears throat> and so, and that therefore generates a lot of, uh, 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 active, uh, hot thought, lots of hot takes, right. Uh, um, in both directions, both supporting and against, and a lot of those are earned, um, I guess because of what we do. I mean, we're an impact firm and we're an active manager. Uh, um, and so I, I wish more folks probably understood that venture capital is not a thing like in and of itself. I mean, venture capital is really just, uh, you know, early stage investing. Um, sometimes, sometimes it's growth stage investing, but in, in, you know, by using some kind of pooled time bound, you know, termed vehicle, um, and beyond that you can do anything. And so there's all kinds of, you know, mercenary, (laughs) awful, ways to operate right within those within that framework and there's all kinds of like uh you know r- redeemable you know uh, uh, uh value building ways to interact as as well and your experience right will will vary uh, a lot as a founder based on um on on the way that firm tends to operate but but don't approach it as if it's a as if venture is one thing 
Uh, I mean, you'll go to a conference and talk to, you know, eight different funds and they'll all tell you eight contradictory things about, uh, you know, that are the rules about how the industry works. And so, you know, find one that matches with you. You know, my personal why, I don't, you know, my, my personal why um, is, uh, uh, is sort of based, based in my faith tradition. But, but I think we're going through this um, moment in the world um, where a lot of people were, you know, almost everybody wants to start to align, wants to integrate their lives more, right? They want to start to align what they say they believe about the world, what they say their values reflect um, with what their money makes possible in the world. Right. And, and that's sort of a new thing. It's a new thing to happen <laughs> at scale for people to want to do that. Uh, um, and it's a big opportunity for the world. We need a lot of active capital trying to, uh, uh, you know, tr trying to do good in the world. And so we're trying to build that market. That's awesome. Yeah, no, I mean, and you meet a lot of people too now where just like you said, VC is kind of this like sexy phrase. It's like impact investing has become that way as well of like, Oh, I'm an, impacted you know everybody like throws some sort of like catchy term in in front of i mean whatever even beyond vc uh the vc world they they just everybody loves to say they're a social entrepreneur and like what problem are you solving well i haven't figured that out yet um yeah yeah no i mean it's a uh uh there are lots of challenges in the industry i mean look i launched the firm because i'd spent a career in sort of high level global institutional asset management right and and then at the same time all of my private work for 25 years because i'm old uh, um, has been in the impact world. And so I watched both of those industries develop right back when impact was, was largely sort of flowing out of the nonprofit world into now where, you, you know, including ESG, you can argue it's a 50 trillion or more dollar industry. Uh, um, uh, and yet I watched them develop in ways that I think don't necessarily serve the best founders of the next couple of decades. Right. And so, um, and yeah, so you're touching on some of those, of those issues that there's a lot of service, uh, a surface level discussion around these things when the real solutions are deeper and harder. And, but that's not an unusual framework. Yeah, no, uh, I mean, it's the world I live in with B Corps. Um, yeah. so I, you know, going back into that kind of the, the, you know, your background and, and, and the why of, but I'm curious to know like who or, or what experiences motivated you to define your mission as solving society's biggest challenges by purposely renewing how we invest in and help build companies all while leading with empathy. Where does that come yeah. from? <laughs> yeah, well, that's one of those where you want to make sure that's off, off the website. You want to make sure every one of those words means something. Uh, so there's a, a lot in there. I mean, I guess uh, let me explain our, our thesis that sort of goes behind all, all the stuff that we invest in <clears throat> across a venture studio and a fund and a, a big non-accredited investor effort we're about to launch um, called Purpose Rounds. Um, uh, really, we focus on two kinds of founders. Uh, um, one is we, we want to back uh, impact companies that want to be big companies, right? That want to grow big and do well and <clears throat> make money and exit. Uh, um, uh, those founders can be anybody. So that founder can be a white guy. That's fine. Um, it just, all that matters is that it's an impact company and that the impact is bound into what they do, right? So that the bigger they get, the more impact is created. And, and that can, that can then mean a lot of things that can be FinTech or FemTech or AgTech or CleanTech, right? Or HealthTech. There's lots of options in there, but that's, that's one category. The other category we back are uh, women and historically excluded founders. And those uh, companies don't have to be pure impact plays because there is impact in trying to open up this asset class 
to those founders. I mean, I don't know if you know those numbers. I'm sure you do. But, uh, um, you know, w- women in general, founders <laughs> and historically excluded founders, you know, that wording chosen uh, uh, intentionally uh, uh, are basically, you know, uh, cut out from the venture capital world. They get very, very tiny uh, amounts of capital flow. And so uh, so trying to back those people <laughs> and work on that sort of what is, you know, an injustice um, is part of what we do. So that's what, <clears throat> you know, that's what that sort of means then, right? Is that we, we want to try to, uh, we want to try to find those kinds of founders and support them and resource them so that they can make a difference in the world. No, I love that. I mean, and, and going back, had an event recently about the topic of sustainability and that was DEI was one of the components too, of, of at what point is this not sustainable when, and I referenced, I forget where I found the statistic that less than 1% of venture capital money goes to founders of color. And you're like, yeah. When you read that, you're just like, ha, 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 how? And we had Mecca um, from uh, Mecca Mortart from Startup Runway on the show recently, and she she was throwing stats out there that were like, like literal head exploding, unreal. That you just you knew it was bad, but when people start to quantify it with actual statistics, you're like, whoa, it's still and it's still really bad. Even you know, as we as we make all this and we all have made commitments, it's still at a, at a rather appalling level. <clears throat> Yeah. I mean, I think in general, like, you know, I'm an old white guy. And so um, if you're an old white guy that grew up in the U.S., uh, um, who's, you know, a a nice guy, uh, um, I think in general, you probably don't quite understand the depth of systemic racial issues in this country until somebody starts throwing stats around that that don't make any sense, right? That really just, you look at them and go, oh my gosh, I don't, you know, I don't feel like I contribute to that stuff, but then if I don't contribute to it, I sort of felt like maybe nobody did. And then, but this is a statistic. And so this is the dynamic. This is what life is actually like for a group of people in, in this country. And, um, and, you know, I can't argue with that statistic. And so I, you know, I think there's a lot of that. One of those is, yeah, that when you look at both women and, and, you know, excluded founders, yeah, you're talking about one to maybe, you know, 3% on the super high side of, of capital flows, which, you know, which both ought to make people sort of generally, I, I would argue, right, ought to make you sort of generally angry, um, just from, a, you know, a justice lens, right, that, that um, uh, I mean, women are at least, let's say, half the population, maybe more. And so, the, you know, the idea that 3% or 4% of capital flows would go to women founders, um, doesn't make any sense, but the bigger issue is, and, and it's really for that part of the fund, it's it's the investment thesis, is that uh, venture capital is basically built in c- completely, like 100% on um, on the idea that you can see TAMs, you can see markets, right, that other people can't see, right? That's the whole thing. When you look back at Uber or Airbnb or, right, when you evaluate Airbnb early on, everybody's like, well, how big is the hotel market? And that can't really, well, well guess what? That wasn't the market. It was a much bigger, different market there that they could see or maybe couldn't or whatever that developed that they could see that other people couldn't see. And all the giants, almost all the giant successes are those situations. So if you just exclude, if there's, if you have any idea that uh, genius might be, you know, evenly distributed, right. An opportunity is not, uh, um, and you just exclude huge swaths of the population, then there have to be just incredible ideas, right. In that population that because of their particular experiences and the, in life, right. That they can see that I'm not going to see at, at, you know, because of my particular experiences. And, and so uh, therefore there's, you know, that's gotta be a huge problem in the industry, right. There's just gotta be huge lost opportunity. Um, and, and, uh, not including those folks, right. And at every level of the industry. So yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, you know, we're working to try to fix that. 
It's awesome. It's uh, noble work. Um, and speaking of which, you know, you building out your leadership team at Renew. Um, how, how talk, talk us through that process? How you went about it? The intentionality behind it, um, and just the importance of of having that um, diversity and and inclusion shown, like on your leadership team. How did like just walk us through that process? Walk us yeah. through the decision making. Walk us through also the benefits that you've that you've seen as you've been actually going out and you know deal flow yeah. and all those components. Yeah, I mean, so <clears throat> Renews started with Paul and I, um, and Paul was my college roommate. So we're two exactly the same age, middle-aged white guy with, with facial hair and black glasses. We're both 6'4", basically share a brain. <laughs> His is just a creative half. <laughs> and um, and Paul is the best product person I've ever known. Um, uh, you know, design, UX, UI, branding, has a very illustrious career. Uh, um, and so he's a huge asset to founders, as you can imagine, who are trying to build products and try to build products that delight customers and do that in a smart way and build teams. And, um, he, you know, he's incredible on all those fronts. And so between he and I, right, you'd think maybe, uh, um, we could go to market and do fine, you know, two GPs, that's not unusual, especially early on, uh, economics of early funds aren't great, right. To be honest with you. <laughs> and so, um, and so that's what tends to happen, even in an impact context, right? Where we're where we're trying to talk about backing the kinds of founders we're, we're talking about, and you know that wasn't good enough for us. <laughs> and I'll I'll get it put sometimes when I'm talking to somebody, they'll say, "Yeah, even even the optics, you know, that wouldn't be good for optics," and which makes me want to like you know throw a chair through a window, uh, um, be, because uh, I don't give a care about, about the optics of the thing the tr the truth is everything I just described about TAMS, for instance, right. Also applies to how you, how you run a firm. I mean, first of all, all the research also shows that like women manage money better than men and, and, uh, uh right. None of that sort of matches up with the way industries are built either. Uh, um, but yeah, you look at our, you look at our firm and we're 80% or so, you know, female, uh, and we're uh, white and black and brown and Asian and immigrant, right? Uh, um, and all of those people are in the GP or all those people are in leadership. And and we did that not for optics. I don't care about optics. We weren't trying to take advantage of opportunity. Um, those people know things and see things that I can't see, right? Like, you know, when, when we're talking to deals, there, there will be a founder who has an idea that is worth backing that I absolutely will never, I would never, it would never register with me. Right. And I need somebody else on the team to say, you're an idiot. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, yeah, let's say, look, you, you mean well, but you're, you're an old white dude and this isn't, you know, that's not the market for this. And, uh, and so let me explain to you why, why this is valuable and why this is important. And, um, I'm not going to, no matter how sort of open I am and open eyed I am, you know, that's not going to, I'm not going to see those things. And so you have to have, um, people like that on top of the fact that yes, also, you know, there didn't used to be a whole lot of options of, of where founders went in the venture world and there are now. And so, you know, people like to, to work with people who can understand them at some kind of core level. And sometimes no matter how hard I try, which I will try, I may not be able to. Right. And so, um, you know, it's, it's not for optics. It's not for representation. Uh, um, it's because this, you know, that's, that's the way the, it's, it's the way you should strategically actually do business. And by the way, it's also the way the industry should be built. And we are trying to push sort of the industry in this direction as well.
So Mark, I'm curious, when you speak to younger audiences who are starting their careers, what do you believe is foundational about the way they approach their work and lives as they enter hmm. the real world? Hmm. I, you know, I I guess I'd say two things. One, uh, uh, I'll, uh, the, the first one is not the, the second one will be the advice I always get when I give when I'm on a panel. But because uh, the, they'll invariably at the end, they do you have any advice for everybody? Um, uh, and so I'll do the first one first. The, fir the first one would be um, uh, really try not to tie your identity and your uh, like sense of value um, up with the business. Um, that's not an, you know, an easy thing to actually <laughs> uh, um, execute on. Uh, um, and it usually requires, I don't know, some other kind of framework or lots of work or lots of conversation, or, um, sometimes it's done, you know, in the context of a faith structure, that's how it, you know, happens to be with me. Uh, um, but you have to have some kind of, um, uh, some kind of why and identity that flows from something else, not just the business because the business will eat, eat you up and chew you out and, and really, you know, eat you, eat you up, chew you up, spit you out, uh, um, you know, regardless of how, how you know, how great it goes. It, it, it just will. You'll be on in the fetal position. Every, everybody that's on this thing that's listening, who has ever been a founder has been in the fetal position. Uh, you probably, you, you haven't even been a founder all that long and you've probably been in the fetal position, you know, uh, trying to breathe. Um, but that, but often that comes from the idea that you, you know, you, you have some deep sense of identity tied up in the success of this thing. Um, and it's being threatened. Right. And, um, and that kind of existential crisis is a hard thing. And so trying to do some of that deep work um, so that you're not quite as exposed in that way is, is helpful. The, the general advice I give, and it's not advice that I follow particularly well, um, <clears throat> but I realized after what it sort of, it just hit me. It's not anything particularly deep, but it hit me after, uh, um, after sort of a three or four year period of something that I guess you would probably call, I would have called a failure at the end. Um, but so, th so this, you know, if you're a founder, this thing that you're in right now, <clears throat> it's everything, right? Like it's, uh, um, it put you in the fetal position. Like it, it sort of feels like this is the, this is, uh, you know, this is the rest of my life. And, 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 and this is uh, everything I am all tied up in this thing and all my relationships and all right. Every, this is, this is it, this thing, and this thing has to be successful. And, um, well, at some point that, that thing, that thing that is everything to you right now, um, it will be completely over you know, pro, pro, probably, I mean, maybe five years from now, maybe, maybe 10 years from now. I mean, it's very unusual, right. That you end up in a Facebook situation where, where 20 years down the road, you're still doing, you, you know, you're Mark Zuckerberg. So almost all the time, 99.999% of the time in five or 10 years, even if he goes public, right, it will be over like done. You won't be doing it at all anymore. Um, and at that moment, right. You may have uh, less money, or you may have more money. Like <laughs> you may, you may have made a ton of money out of that thing. Uh, um, you may be sitting in a giant house. Or you may be trying to figure out how you you could rebuild. Uh, um, and it you, it may feel like a huge success, and it may feel like it was a bummer and a failure. Um, at that moment, when you're sitting in that chair, you will realize that the only thing you have at that moment, actually, because the money money is not actually really a thing. You'll find out. Uh, um, uh, the the only thing you'll have are the relationships that you built while you were doing the thing. Um, and so if you don't tend to those, if you don't make that a priority while you're going along, um, you'll have nothing. Right. And, and, uh, and I've been in that situation before. I'm not great at that where, you know, you work intensely with lots of people for a long time. And then at some point it's over and you're sitting in a chair and you think, I don't really, I don't really know any of those people really. And I don't, 
I really don't have relationships there. And that's the only real thing. That's the only thing that lasts and goes on forever. And, um, and so, uh, so, so you have to be, you know, you have to tend to that or, um, or you won't do it and, and you'll be really sorry, even if you get rich. Yeah. I think even in regular old jobs, I mean, I think back at jobs I've had and some of the friends that those relationships that have endured and you're like, how do you know him? It's like, we, we rented cars at enterprise together in like 2006. <laughs> like, I don't know. That's still my best friend though. Like, so yeah, I think you're right. Um, and all things business is, is tending the relationships, um, and having those as you come out too. And I mean, you never know where those roads will lead again when you might need that person or they might need you. Um, and it will open opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. Man, that answer was one of those where you're like, we could end it right here, but I have more questions. <laughs> I have more questions for you. Oh no. Oh no. Not more questions. Oh, here's where we go deep. No. Um, <laughs> am I going to cry? <laughs> yeah. Get in that shoot, fetal position. Shoot. I'm going to cry. Um, all right. So from, from, from what you've seen through, from, through investments you've made, what is, we look at founders, what do you think makes some founders more successful and I would argue happy, um, not necessarily from what you just, same argument you just laid out that, you know, money isn't everything. Um, but obviously there's some element that comes with success that comes oh, sure. with money. But what do you think makes some founders more successful and happy than others? <clears throat> yeah, well, I don't, you know, A, I don't know. B, um, <laughs> you know, success is a weird, what the heck does that mean? Right. Like as in most conversations that matter at all, like the 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 answer is completely the depend on the definitions of the, of the words in the question. Right. Um, and success tends to be a relatively, you know, personal thing from person to person. <clears throat> and so, uh, uh, there are people that, you know, do incredibly well from a business perspective, right. That a lot of people would look at and not call successful, <laughs> right. And based on some other standard. Um, so, uh, uh, so that's hard in and of, its, uh, of itself. I mean, uh, you know, founders that do, that do well in their businesses, you know, I, I would say, um, do often have some sort of <clears throat> singular focus, you know, they do have an ability to, um, to not get distracted. I mean, you know, like, you know, founding a company stinks, like it's, um, it's mostly not fun <laughs> and it's, you know, incredibly hard. Um, you know, you, I, I will tell founders all the time, like, you know, that, that, uh, I think you should do this and, and I think you'll be great at it. And, um, but however hard do you think this is going to be, it's going to be, you know, like five times that hard. And even if it goes really well, I think there's a pretty good chance at the end of that, you'll look back and say, I'm not sure I'd have done it if I didn't know how hard it would be until so, like, it's better to go into it, you know, understanding that that's the, uh, that that's the case that you could have that perspective. Uh, um, but, but founders who do well often have, you know, some kind of deep focus. Hopefully it's some kind of, you know, out of some kind of healthy source and, 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 and not out of something that drives them into the ground. Um, you know, like we talked about earlier, because that can make you successful too, right? Something to prove something to yourself or prove something to your dad or prove something to, and you, you can, you can unwind the therapy of all of that some, someday down the road, but right now it's going to make you, you know, it's going to make your business successful. Uh, um, the other things I would say, you know, about, about particularly early stage is, and, and we see this a lot in sort of start, what I call startup theater, what a lot of people call startup theater, um, you know, don't confuse activity um, and don't confuse um, attention for progress. That really neither one of those things is progress. Uh, um, that's why I'll, I'll generally only do panels or, you know, every time I do a panel <laughs> and you see me at some point, I'll say, 
Uh, by the way, folks, like we got to stop going to panels. <laughs> like, I don't, I mean, I know, I know it feels like we're doing something here, but um, you know, your customers aren't in the room and like, I don't, you know, and look, relationships are important and uh, um, an ecosystem institutions are important and there's things that have to be done to build those and tend to them. And that's, that's all true. Uh, um, uh, it's particularly true when you make it authentic and, you know, deep and, and real. Um, but, you know, it, it, as a founder, <clears throat> when you're constantly trying to sort of keep the demons at bay, you know, going to a whole bunch of events and taking selfies on rooftops with a bunch of other founders feels like you're doing something. Uh, um, and, you know, I don't know, <laughs> maybe you're not right. Like it's, it's certainly not making progress in the business, which is ultimately what you're trying to do. And so, and by the way, the same thing happens. This happens in impact a lot. Um, uh, 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 other people will find that giving you attention is good for them. Um, and, uh, and therefore you can get a lot of attention that isn't really based in any kind of thing that will ultimately help you. And unless you recognize that and then try to force it to help you, right. Try to really find strategic ways to leverage it for you and your business. Um, you can do a ton of that. Right. And um, um, and have it basically not matter. You can you know, you can be the the guest of honor at a lot of Aspen Institute dinners that don't do a thing for your business and feel like and get lots of material for social and and feel like that was something real when it really probably wasn't actually anything real. And they but they did get like they extracted out of you what they needed right at, at that moment. Um, and so just being clear eyed about that and making sure that all of your activity drives back to something that actually helps you in the business, uh, um, uh, I think is useful and great founders you know, can do that, can constantly find way. And that's not, look, that's not being mercenary. That doesn't mean, you know, that you're mercenary and you're transactional and you, you can do that in deep, authentic ways, but, it, but, um, but you have to force yourself. I mean, life sort of beats you into mediocrity, right? Uh, um, and so you have to, you can't just like be committed to actually, you have to war against it, right? And so the best founders sort of war against mediocrity and some, hopefully in some kind of healthy way. Well, and I think it comes back to some of the, where you mentioned that it, you know, whatever, however hard you think this is going to be, it's going to be five times harder. And it gets into a time prioritization too. <clears throat> of like learning to say no has been for me in my early stage entrepreneurship journey, entrepreneurial journey. It's been just when to say no and like, hey, that event looks like fun. I'm sure that I'm, I'm sure I missed out on a connection at some, you know, but at some point you're like, I need to sleep. I need to spend time with my partner. I need to all the thing, all the other things of life that it's okay to say no. And I think that's something that a lot of us struggle with. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I, I think so. It all, you know, also as things progress, which you're, you know, you, you'll, you find out you're finding out, um, like your, the, the, um, uh, the level of yield you'd get off of a particular kind of activity, uh, gets relativized, right? Like, I mean, at first any activity feels like it's something and it just felt good to go do a thing and be out there and, and like meet and talk to people. And then you'll have an, get an opportunity or have an experience with something that really, you know, that really hits that really, oh my gosh, I got like five new clients out of this particular kind of thing. And then all of a sudden all the just random stuff, right. Gets relativized and you're like, Ooh, no, I just, this is the real thing. I need to do more of this. Right. And then, you know, the, there'll be another step above that another step above that. And so, but you gotta be intentional about trying to find those because otherwise it will, it can, you know, you can just sort of be placated. You can be you know, being around people and taking selfies and, and posting stuff on social can really feel like it's, 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 you know, it can make you feel good, you know, in a way that's maybe not, not helpful. Uh, um, and so, uh, so yeah, like you said, it's, it, you gotta be focused. 
Yeah, and be honest with yourself. Of was was that event a success? Not that you have to necessarily close a deal out of it, but you know, is it adding to your top of funnel? Is it what was the outcome? And go into it with the expectations of getting some sort of outcome as well. Yeah, and may, look, maybe the maybe just like building deep relationships with people that that will never make you a dime uh, is success, right? Is is what you would have wanted to have happen out of that meeting? That's totally fine. Fine, but then go into it with that intention. And make that happen at that meeting because you can also just be there and be busy. You know, I'll do that. <clears throat> you know, be there and be, 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 when I'm at the center, I can be, you know, entertain and be charming. And when I'm not, I'll be in the corner with my, my phone because I'm an introvert, you know, pretending I'm doing something. Uh, um, and, uh, 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 you know, that didn't do anything for anybody. If, yeah, if, if the idea was not commercial, but relational, then make it that. Yeah. No, that's brilliant. Um, one last thing before we wrap here, um, well, we already asked for the big, you know, the uh, the end of panel. What's one piece of uh-huh. advice you'd give the listeners? So uh, I'll, I'll give you a, an or question here. What's one big takeaway you want listeners to get from this episode? Or the wild card, what's one question you wish I had asked you and I didn't? And obviously you get to answer your own question. Uh, something I wish you would, I don't need, you know what you ask, you ask a really good question. So I, I, I don't, I don't know that we necessarily, uh, uh, missed anything. I mean, I, in, in general, uh, uh, I, I think it's valuable. Uh, you know, I, I have very particular whys for why I'm doing what I'm doing for why I got an impact. If you really care about them, <clears throat> um, uh, and you're willing to not feel like, I feel like a crazy, you know, I seem like a crazy person. You can go to the website and like, look at our blogs and I have a blog where I talk about it like a theology of impact and investing and, and why that's important to me. <clears throat> um, I don't care if you, it, it, I don't, whatever. It doesn't matter if you, if you match those, you know, uh, uh, um, those sets of, of beliefs or not, but I, I do think it's important um, that people work through their whys. <clears throat> and there's not a whole lot of that. We don't do a lot of that because it's difficult, right? It's uh, um, you get into values and values aren't agreed upon. And so I hey, can't really, we, we, can't, we can't do that. Right. It's not, it's not worth doing what well, is worth doing. And the best work really flows out of some kind of idea of a sense of why. And we're at a moment where we don't, you know, in society in general, where we don't do that. Right. I mean, if you watch a lot of popular, there's great moving, you know, <clears throat> movies that right, right now, for instance, where the message is basically, uh, um, you know, that nothing, nothing matters, nothing is real. Right. Oh, but love is real and, and that matters. And it doesn't matter that those are contradictory ideas. Right. Uh, um, uh, and that if one is true, the other one can't be true in the way that it's expressed. And so you like actually digging that one layer deeper to try to figure it out for yourself that if love feels like it's real, then why would that be? Maybe, um, can change everything about the, I mean, it can change everything about your life and what motivates you. And, uh, um, <clears throat> but, uh, uh, but it can, you know, change you professionally too. It can change the kinds of things you, you want to do. Right. I mean, I think we back impact founders because impact founders are finding the tears in society, right? The tears in the fabric of of the world and they're trying to mend them. Right. And ultimately, that's a like an Old Testament theological idea. <laughs> that's Shalom. Uh, uh, um, but I don't care if that's an atheist. Right. <laughs> um, or a secular humanist or a trying to tear those men's, you know, mend those tears in um in the fabric of the world, like that's good work. I, I would just love it for that person to work through why they, why they care about that and why they're trying to do, do that. And it'll be more than therefore fulfilling work if they do. I've got nothing to add. That was, that was awesome. 
Mark, before we wrap today, where can our listeners, are you still trying the new Twitter experiment? Where can our listeners find you? <laughs> no, no, not, no, not really. I, I, I've just, I thought I hated it and I, and I went and yeah, confirmed I hate it. Um, I mean, you can find me there. Uh, there won't be very many tweets. I don't, you know, I will lean into my old manness. Um, and probably the easiest thing is, is LinkedIn. Um, I accept everybody that, <laughs> that, uh, uh, that tries to connect with me cause I don't have time to, to vet people. Uh, and so, uh, so connect there and send me a message and I'm sure we'll find it or, you know, use LinkedIn for what it should be linked used for, which is connect with me there. Uh, use that to stalk my email address because it's right in the contact info <laughs> and then send me and then send me an email. And, uh, uh, that's probably the easiest way, but I'm everywhere else too. And the, uh, the website is renewvc.com. Awesome. Well, thanks again for joining us this morning, and um, thanks for all you're doing to, uh, I guess, reimagine reimagine VC and, and all the possibilities that come with it. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I'm one of the heroes. <laughs> hey, you. I can't. I can't handle all this positive talk. <laughs> you, hey, I have. A, I have a favorite T-shirt I wear. It says "Take action, make progress." I think if everybody took a little action to mend some of those tears you were talking about, I think the world would be a better place. So. Um, good for you. small way there I'll, I'll diminish you a little bit and say <laughs> good, small way do. you are making you are making the ripple <laughs> that's better thank you very much awesome thanks again mark well that wraps up another edition of be the change georgia we're grateful as always for the opportunity to serve you with this content and grow this incredible community of purpose-driven b corp leaders if you haven't already we would be grateful for you to rate this show wherever you get your podcast by simply tapping the number of stars you think it deserves and sharing it with a friend. This helps us get the word out and continue to use our collective influence as a force for good. This podcast wouldn't be possible without the help from our production team at Chat With Leaders Media. Learn how you can launch your own podcast to grow your business at chatwithleaders.com. Thanks again for listening, and now go be a leader worth following. Worth following.